Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. This topic is really all about our business. Very interesting uh, what's going on. Um, and I'm really excited to have a reporter with the Washington Post, Todd Franco. He is this, uh, the latest in the ongoing series, we've had several months, weekly reporters from the Washington Post providing some great content. I'm a huge fan of the Post. Uh, it and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, in my opinion, should be looked at uh, really really daily. And I, I know I do, and, and do it religiously. And the reason why is that they really are the only true newspapers of records these days. And they are so thorough. They have such depth and breadth. And uh, so I consider them very important. And so I'm, I always find, uh, Todd, welcome to the program. Uh, I always find it a little daunting when I start reading a Washington Post article because this isn't going to be USA Today. But I walk away <laughs> I walk away knowing so much more than what I would have otherwise known. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan and always glad to visit with your reporters. Oh, uh, thanks for having me. No, it's great to hear. Such a big fan and subscriber, too, I yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about uh, this topic here today. In fact, I'm going to let you uh, cue it up for us. Instead, uh, we're seeing a lot about blue state, red state on steroids, especially since COVID. It seems to exasperate our, the differences, if you will. In fact, we, it's pretty obvious. Um, but talk about it in the business context, context, because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, the, um, there's been a shift where the U.S. gun industry, which is historically, you know, going back to the country's founding, mm-hmm. has been um, set up and established in New England, essentially, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Hampshire area. Um, and it's been on the move in the last decade, especially moving from these traditionally blue states to red states, um, places like Tennessee, Georgia, Texas, um, Wyoming. I mean, what we're seeing is sort of a the polarization that we see in our broader politics also playing out with these companies, like gun companies especially, that they look for um, places where they, they feel more welcome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, But it isn't just that. It, it isn't. You know, it, it's going to uh, a lot of different places. Uh, I think of California and the tech companies that have moved to Texas. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's two things in play with the gun companies. You, um, you know, the companies like tech companies, you, know, you point out, you know, moving from California to Texas, you know, a lot of that's uh, – Maybe it's slightly cultural, but I think a lot of that's you know also lower taxes, you know, the lack of income tax, and you know, California is sort of famous for its for its high taxes, and that's also driving these gun companies. Um, you know, they're leaving sort of high tax, high cost states like Massachusetts, and, and going to places where the cost of labor is cheaper, and they're getting lots of incentives like Tennessee or Georgia. Um, but they're also these gun companies are facing a unique set of challenges from politicians in in these blue states, where you know the, this. Um, Sort of fight we've been having over gun violence has led to some passing of some gun gun control laws, and especially Massachusetts, they were considering a law there. The tr- trigger for um, their their problems up there is that they were considering a law that would ban the sale and manufacture of um, AR-15 rifles. And so you had a big manufacturer up there, Smith and Wesson, which had been located up there since the 1850s. Uh, signing, they had to move. They had to go, move to Tennessee, which was a, a huge loss. For Massachusetts, but you know the lawmakers up there were like, "Well, see it. That's too much." You know, we, you know, the, the gun violence issue has really sort of tipped the balance about how people even think about these sort of economic development issues. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, interesting to see how that's all changed. Talk about, um, you know, how how massive the alignment is. 
Yeah, so you know, there's been at least 20 companies that we've found in just the last decade, um, gun companies, ammunition companies, makers of different parts for, for rifles and handguns, um, that have left, made the switch from, from traditionally blue states for red states. Um, you know, and it has thousands of jobs, millions of dollars in investment. And, you know, it's not, it, what's really sort of captured people's attention is that these are big names too. You know, Smith & Wesson, Remington, um, those are the you know, two largest names in the firearms industry have both left in recent years, or actually in the last year, um, left blue states for red states. And, you know, sort of that's one of the first signs of, you know, a flood that's being expected to follow um, behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are, by the way, two of the oldest names in business. Forget about the guns, gun business. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they've been around. You know, both of them since you know the eighteen. <clears throat> I think one's from the eighteen thirties and one's from the eighteen fifties. So, yeah, well known, established. And like I said, you don't even have to have ever shot a handgun or a rifle to know those names. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, and you're you're only expecting it to continue. Yeah, I think you know. Well, you know, the circumstances that forced this waves of movement already are not going to ease up. You know, I don't think anyone expects for the New England to certainly walk back its gun control laws or do anything to accommodate a gun company. And at the same time, you know, we, you have this push, right? You have, you have gun companies feeling like they're being pushed out of their old homes, but they're also being wooed on the other end, right? These red state governors, you know, in Oklahoma and Texas, Georgia, are very much interested in getting these gun companies to their state, not because it's such a great business. I mean, it's not, it's not going to change the economies of these, of these states, but it, you know, it looks good. It sounds good. And, you know, they're playing to their bases. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it's more rhetorical than it is substantive, uh, you know, in terms of how it's being used. That's, uh, that makes perfect sense. And so um, talk about, you know, how it's being observed, you know, and then again, if I'm a gun owner and I, I'm taking an, I'm taking an amoral tone here. I'm not, you know, looking at any other factors here. Um, you know, if you're in an, uh, an environment that is obviously hostile to you, which some of these states are, some of these policies are, and they're, and they're getting bolder. A lot of these, as you well know, are going to get challenged in the courts and they're not going to do very well when they get to the Supreme Court in light of how that court currently is made up. Uh, but it, it, it's, uh, you know, you can kind of understand the sense of hostility that uh, that these companies are facing. Again, an amoral statement, not not a moral one. Yeah, no, I mean, it is interesting because, you know, guns, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to make an amoral statement about guns because it's so, such a hot topic, right? Everyone has right. a view on it. Um, at the same time, it's a business, right? And so these companies, you know, like Smith & Wesson is a publicly traded company and they have to explain their decisions to their shareholders. And so they couldn't just, you know, decide to move because, you know, someone said something mean to them. Like, they really had to feel that their business was under threat, and they did. Um, but also notably, you know, the, the politicians in Massachusetts didn't care. Like, they, you know, this issue has become so personal and so, you know, polarizing, as we've seen, you know, when anyone talks about guns, that they were like, you know what, we can't, you know, accommodate you here in the state anymore. Essentially, is what they were sending, the message. And, you know, they, they took off. And the Muslim is, you know, now by... Next year should be fully moved into Tennessee. Yeah, it's unbelievable when you think about it. These are very, again, very old companies with very deep roots. And and what we're talking about, we're not just talking about macro pol- policy regarding guns that affects the use of them, but but they're seeing, I'm sure, as a trend, these these gun makers, a trend where it's going to target target the manufacturing of it or the marketing of it and those type of things 
in a way that they had never seen historically, which won't happen in the state level where they're going. I mean, I just don't see it happening. No, no. I mean, where Smith and Wesson moved, right, they left Massachusetts for Tennessee. This, the county that they moved to had recently declared itself a, a, a Second Amendment sanctuary, right? They were so pro-gun that they felt like they weren't even going to enforce, like, any gun control laws. So very intentionally, they are moving to places where they feel like, you know, any, no matter how the maybe national gun control debate blows, it won't matter to their manufacturing base, you know, wherever it is. Um, but, you know, the first wave of the, the moves were actually um, some of the state bans on, like, assault rifles are really the, the touchy point for everyone. And, like, so Beretta, which is an Italian gun maker, but they were making their U.S. guns for, for several decades in Maryland, actually just outside of D.C. And they left Maryland for Tennessee as well um, when the state of Maryland decided to ban assault rifles. Now, they weren't saying you couldn't make them, Beretta. You know, you can go ahead and keep on making whatever you want, but we're not going to allow you to sell them to folks in Maryland. And that was enough for Beretta to be like, well, we can't even sell them to our employees. Our employees can't buy them in the state, so we're going to move. Um, right. But now you have even more severe laws being passed in other states, you know, looking at manufacturing of these rifles. Yes, and I, I think one big spot, of course, because, you know, the most successful lawsuit against a gun company was in the marketing of it, right? That was the most successful uh, punitive lawsuit against them. And you can see states going, oh, we got a huge opportunity to do that here, regardless of what the feds do. And the feds have this thing called the Second Amendment, and it becomes difficult to uh, navigate around. Yeah, gun sale again <laughs> with this really touching subject, right? Because it's mentioned in it, you know, the amendment just for you know the Constitution, just about this one topic. Um, but at the same time, you know, you know, there's other folks who are like, well, what about our you know right to life and right you know not not to feel under threat? And so, you know, it's hard to imagine a touchier subject than guns in the country right now. Um, and you know how it plays out is going to be. Really, and as you pointed out, like the Supreme Court is now weighing in and it's changing the way it's probably going to view guns and. Um, it's, it's certainly going to be a hot topic for, you know, near future at least. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, really appreciate your time. Why don't you wrap it up with some of your final thoughts, maybe some takeaways for the uh, listener? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing that when I was reporting the story was just, you know, I don't think many people think about the U.S. gun industry and how historically it was been based in New England, you know. Um, Springfield, Massachusetts, where Smith and Wesson was, was known as Gun Valley. Like, and you know, when George Washington um, set up the Springfield Armory during the Revolutionary War, that was in Springfield, Massachusetts. And for you know, decades, over 100 years, it, the heart of U.S. gun making was in New England. At the same time, that's the region where some of the toughest gun control laws in the country have been passed in the last decade or so. Um, and so, there's no bigger you know, sort of point of tension that right now in New England where these gun companies are feeling threatened and also finding that, you know what, we don't have to stay here. and We're actually wanted somewhere else. We're wanted in Georgia. We're wanted in Texas. And that polarization right. we see in our national politics, we're also seeing at play here. They just want to feel welcome. You can, you can understand that. Again, separating yourself, trying to look at it like the, the reality of, of who's making these decisions. It's not you. It's certainly not me. You, you know exactly what I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah no, I mean, the CEOs, you know, like some, some of these are public companies and they have to answer to shareholders and it makes sense, you know, to them to make these moves for the, you know, for bottom line profit loss reasons. Todd, before I let you go, I always ask a, a little bit about uh, the reporter's beat. Tell us exactly what you normally cover and uh, what your uh, typical stories are about. Yeah, so I'm on the financial 
desk here at the Post, um, and I don't have a precise beat, but I, I sort of do um, investigative and sort of uh, accountability reporting on, on the corporate world, um, looking at how companies operate um, in the economy. And this was one thing that caught my eye. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad you brought it to us. Todd Frankel, he's with the Washington Post, WashingtonPost.com. I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business.